Thanks for tuning in to What the What. We are a pop culture podcast dedicated to discussing movies, television, and other aspects of pop culture from the 90s to the present day. Coming up next, to infinity and beyond, it's Toy Story on What the What. We are Code Red. Andy is coming upstairs. For anyone who ever wondered. Everybody back to your places, hurry. Where's my ear? Let's move, 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 move. Why their toys were never where they left them. Ah, Your toys are alive. They're cannibals. The first computer animated motion picture is here. Look, I'm Picasso. Toy Story. I don't get it. Rated G. Welcome to What the What? What the What? Uh, this is Eric. This is Kyle. And uh, we're excited. This is something we've wanted to do for a long time. I've had this stuff since at least Christmas time. And, and we haven't done a thing with it. It's out I, of the box now. That's the thing. And I bought this laptop back in February of 2017. So we've for been the ready express for express purpose of doing this. And then we actually tried to do a podcast like a year and a half ago in October of 17. And we just, we weren't ready. And we, we ended up getting all this equipment, and now we feel like we're ready. At least we're not lazy enough, because that was my problem. It wasn't that I wasn't ready. I wanted to do a podcast, but I was too lazy to do a podcast. That's it. Now we've, we've got our mindset on what we're doing. If you heard the intro, uh, we are a pop culture podcast. Uh, we are focusing on television, movies, and a lot of other stuff that happened from the 90s to now. Maybe late 80s. I was born in the late 80s, as in 87. Right. So who knows part of my childhood? Because there's three years there that could be there, important. Yeah, I was born in '86, so I mean, there's stuff to. So you've got a year on me. You yeah. can talk about a whole year more than I can. Well, maybe we'll see. But we're excited to be able to do this. Uh, our first podcast topic is the movie Toy Story. I love this movie, and it's a fantastic movie. We are doing this before Toy Story Four comes out. By the time we are able to post this, we don't know what day it'll come out on. But we will probably have already seen Toy Story 4. We're recording this on a Wednesday. We're going to see Toy Story on a Friday. Yeah. So two days from now, we'll be seeing Toy Story 4. That was just an easy first topic when we started talking about uh, different things that we wanted to talk about. With it coinciding with the release of Toy Story 4, we thought it was just perfect. Perfect. This was a fantastic movie. Um, It was released in November uh, of 1995, around Thanksgiving. I was eight. How old were you? I was nine. And it was the highest grossing film during its opening weekend. It earned over $373 million at the worldwide box office. That's a lot more than I have. And this was the first Pixar movie. Uh, this is the Number one that kind of started it all. I, I went back and watched it again this week. I know you did as well. We didn't watch it together. But um, went back and watched it this week. And whenever I was younger, I loved Buzz Lightyear. Who, you know, were you a Woody guy or were you a Buzz Lightyear guy? You know, I was a Woody guy myself. You know, I was just kind of loyal to the old favorites. I get that. Um, in terms of all the characters, though, I just, I kind of like the secondary characters better than both the main characters. So who was your favorite if you had to pick one? I was a Potato Head guy. Potato Head. Okay. And he's flexible. I could see that. Yeah. Um, I went back into watching this, you know, knowing that Buzz Lightyear was my favorite as a kid. You know, I was a huge action figure kid. You know, as much as I've been into cars as I've gotten older, like, I was a total action figure kid. I didn't have a ton of Hot Wheels and stuff like that. So, anything, you know, that came out that was relatively like, a you know, an action figure, that was going to get me. 
So the excitement that Andy had when he you know opened up Buzz Lightyear, here's this guy that has wings that pop out. I don't know if you're like me. Anything that had wings as a kid was awesome. No, that, that's that's the thing. If you could fly, mm-hmm. you had it made. And, you know, there was that thing of what superpower would you have if you could have one? And near about half the time, I'd always choose flight. Now, I don't know why, but as a child, like, flight was just the biggest thing to me. And the fact that he had wings. Um, Ninja Turtles had Ace Duck. You know, he was specifically made for the toy line, but the fact that the action figure came with wings on it, I loved him. One of my favorites. So, I did that. Anyway, I went into this movie watching it again, um, remembering feeling bad for Woody. And so, I really went into this with hopes of, I'm older now, I'm going to be much more in love with Woody because of just the nostalgic feel of, you know, my old toys. And so I was super excited about that. But the more I started watching it, it was like, it's not Buzz's fault. Woody's just mad. Yes. And I had good reasoning for liking Buzz, evidently. Woody was mad, and it wasn't Buzz's fault because Buzz literally was being who he thought he was. Mm -hmm. He was a space ranger. He didn't know he was a toy. And that made Andy so mad, or not Andy, it made Woody so mad. So he didn't do anything intentionally to shake attention away from Woody. He didn't come in there with the purpose of not making Woody, you know, cool anymore or taking away the spotlight. He came into life literally thinking he crash landed into this real weird world. So I don't know. That's where I came back with it. I was like, okay, well, I don't feel as bad as I thought I did. Uh, personal memories, what you got? Well, I don't know about you, but I was the kid who would take all the toys. You know, I had Batman action figures. I had the Ninja Turtles. I had the Power Rangers. The Power Rangers were great. The crazy thing is they've all teamed up since then. Exactly. So you've had yeah. Batman and Ninja Turtles in the comics right now team up together. Mm-hmm. So me and you were doing this younger before they ever and thought about the this. The Power Rangers teamed up with the Turtles when they the Turtles had their live action show in they 97. Did. So like a cool two years after this movie came out, you know, I'm seeing my childhood dream play out on the screen. Mm-hmm. So I would I would do that. I even had these little, they were not Beanie Babies, they were like these knockoffs. Like, and they would fit in this Jeep. None of my other action figures would fit in this little toy Jeep. But they would. I had a little turtle that would fit right in the driver's seat. Nice. So uh, they were like my special group, you know, like mm-hmm. my A-team, so to speak, even though I had no idea what the A-team was back then. But they were my specialist group. Um, you know, and I remember doing all these things as a kid and, you know, just being really creative with my stories. And I still remember some of them today uh, where they had to overcome these ridiculous odds and they had those um, just hours upon hours of playtime. And then this movie comes out and it kind of confirms everything I thought as a child, like, wait a minute, this kid is doing the same thing I'm doing. Exactly. But these, these toys are alive. You know, they're creating their own stories, and that just kind of blew my mind as a nine-year-old how much I was like Andy. Well, see, I totally get that, because I also did the same thing. Now, there's that stage, and I know you were into wrestling like I was. Yes. There was a stage where all of a sudden I really got into wrestling, I had the ring, I had all these things. So my funnest things to do was have, you know, you know, Mankind versus Michelangelo. Like, I would bring my Ninja Turtles into the ring mm-hmm. and fight the wrestlers. So that was the best thing for me. But exactly what you're saying is, I remember seeing the trailer for the first time. I can't tell you what movie I was there to see. I do remember I was young, and I remember this trailer coming out. And I was like, what in the world is this toy story? Like, I love toys. But exactly what you're saying. All of a sudden, you're realizing these toys are playing together. Somebody else in this world is doing the same thing that I do. You're thinking that, hey, I'm not alone in this. Somebody else puts all their random toys together, and they live it out together. Um, I remember so much about this trailer because I remember being astonished. And I was like, I've got to memorize every bit of this trailer. Because back then, we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have the internet where you could just pull up trailers for movies. Um, I never knew when I was going to see this trailer for this again. 
So I remember looking at every little bit of it, trying to remember what I could go back and tell my friends. And of course, as being an eight-year-old, I imagined all sorts of things. You know, in my mind, as far as I knew, Ninja Turtles were in this movie, Batman was in this movie, all these things were in this movie. But turns out they weren't. But it was as an eight-year-old, I was like, "This is totally happening." Um, you mentioned watching the trailer in the movie theater for the first time. Mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing it in the movie theater because we just you know, we didn't go to the movies a lot whenever mm-hmm. I was a kid. But I remember seeing the trailer on, I believe it was the Lion King VHS. Oh, man. That's like, even they, better. Uh, they had all those trailers before the movie mm-hmm. um, on the VHS. It's not like now when you just you click play and you go straight to the movie. You had to watch the trailer. But that was my first experience watching Toy Story was their first trailer they put out on the VHS and just being blown away with you know the idea of a flying space ranger, a, a talking cowboy, I mean, a, a dinosaur who – doesn't like confrontation, and I had no idea what that word meant. No, but I remember it was hilarious that you know the dinosaur didn't want to get involved. It's like, wait a minute, you're a dinosaur pal. I mean, come on. But that was that was my memory of seeing that trailer for the first time. I probably didn't see Toy Story in the theater. Like I said, we didn't watch the you know go out to the movies when I was a child much, but we would get the you know VHSs mm-hmm. when they would come out, and that's you know how I would watch a lot of my movies as a child. And Toy Story was definitely on repeat for sure a lot. I want to say that Toy Story is one of the first VHSs that I remember us ever having. Now, I'm sure we had others like Lion King. I made a note for myself because I wanted to talk about this. It may have been when the second movie came out, but a big Toy Story memory I had was I had a little cousin at the time, um, and his dad was buying him Toy Story stuff. And so it had to be the second one because he wasn't alive, I don't think, during the first one. Maybe he was. But I remember going to my uncle's house and seeing the toys out there he was playing with, but then also seeing all the toys, the exact same ones, boxed up still. Where my uncle was like, I'm buying you a toy, and then I'm buying one to keep it in the box. And this blew my mind, because as a kid, like I never understood why you would do that, and I never had seen that before. Mm-hmm. But I really that's something, and like, I know it doesn't technically make or break the movie, but for me, it was something that affected me, where like as I've grown older, like I started collecting toys, and I started keeping all my toys, and finding toys that are still in the box is like a cool thing. Like Of course, I take them out most of the time, but... I even, like, I ate lunch with my uncle the other day, and I asked him about that. He's like, yeah, he's like, I remember there was, like, a metallic Buzz Lightyear, and I was like, totally was. And I remember to the point that seeing that, he was, like, hidden behind his bed because he didn't want any of us kids to mess with those because they were going to be worth money or something. I think he's already taken them out. He said they're not in the box anymore. But I remember looking at that toy almost to the point that it seemed like it was glowing. Now, sure, it was probably my young mind just imagining it because I couldn't touch it, but... The fact of seeing that metallic Buzz Lightyear where he's like super bright green and everything else. Like I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, it's a random thought. But you mentioned too the fact of how toys come to life and how you saw that. Did that affect you? Did you go home or like did you watch it at home and be like, do my toys really come to life when I'm not in the room? You know, at that point I was old enough to know that, you know, kind of distinguish the difference between fiction and reality. Um, but it definitely bolstered my creativity as a child who still played with toys. You know, seeing the different scenarios and how some characters can be evil one time you play with them, and then you know, another time they can be you know part of a good faction or uh, a part of the good guy team up. Um, so it definitely helped with my creativity, but it didn't really make me think. Wait a minute, my toys are alive. Um, as a child, I'm going to be honest, that probably would have scared me a little bit. So, well, see, the only thing that really caught me with that is the scene with Sid. Um, Sid's toys whenever I was a kid especially like, the little baby head with like the spider leg scared, scared the crap out of me where it was that scene where he would come crawling out from underneath the bed I would always like cover my eyes as a kid because it made me nervous to watch that but I remember so much too whenever um, Woody came to life in that scene to set Sid straight mm-hmm. 
And I remember holding my G.I. Joes up and looking them in the eye and being like, are you going to come to life at any second? Because I remember just staring that down and being like, maybe they do. Because I had that type of imagination. I walk out of the room and it's like, I hope my toys are playing in there by themselves. I don't know. But that was something that really stood out to me. Um, I know we'll probably talk a little bit later about Sid. You had a better discussion. I have some stuff. We'll, we'll I've got a couple that of things out. about Sid down the line. Um, so I, I've moved around a little format. We had the music next, uh, but I want to get to what worked. I got one week. question. Okay. I got one other thing okay. that I made note of because I remember this. Did you ever melt things with a magnifying glass? No, I could never figure out how to do it. See, like, now I, saw, I saw it in the movie, and I would try to figure out the sun, but I could never do it. And I don't understand if I just had a bad position with the sun or – I wasn't reflecting it off the right thing. I didn't wear glasses as a child, so. Well, see, I remember that scene because I was even watching it the other day. That's why I made a note of it. Watching it the other day, I remembered, and I remember being outside and trying this. Now I didn't do it on any of my toys. Like I always kept kept pretty good care of my toys, but I remember trying to set like a leaf on fire, and it didn't. Nothing happened. I was the same way. I had a magnifying glass. Who knows? It's probably like cheap plastic that's <laughs> not really magnifying glass to begin right. with. But I remember trying that and trying to set a leaf on fly, fire outside. plastic. <laughs> yeah, and nothing happened there. Nothing. So, anyway. Well, what worked uh, is the next category we have to talk about stuff. And I just want to go ahead and bring it up, spring it up. I've talked about it with you mm-hmm. off air. Casting. That I, was the big thing that stuck out to me, even watching it now almost 25 years later. Uh, the casting really stood out. And you got to think, you know, they're two big stars, Tom Hanks and Tim Allen. Tom Hanks is coming off of Apollo 13, Forrest Gump, Philadelphia, Sleepless in Seattle, and a league of their own. And he's about to be a part of Saving Private Ryan. I mean, this, to me, has to be one of the greatest stretches of film for any actor ever. I mean, that's six quality movies. I mean, some people might rag on Sleepless in Seattle. It might not be on par with all the rest of them because it's you know a little romantic comedy. But it's still a pretty decent movie. Um, and then you have Tim Allen, who's a part of Home Improvement. And he had just made the Santa Claus the year just before. Happened. I mean, he was coming into his right. I mean, those two, and there, there couldn't be different actors. I mean, Tim Allen's known for his comedy, and Tom Hanks more known for some of his serious roles. And then just kind of immersing them into this animated world where Tim Allen's playing the straight man here. He, you know, he fully believes he's a. You know, he's a spaceman, space ranger, excuse me. Yes, get it right. And Tom Hanks is, you know, the one trying to convince him he's not. And, you know, he's kind of bringing the comedy. It just really opened up um, that movie a lot and just made it much, much more memorable. Um, I have a little question here. Prior to Robin Williams signing on as the genie in Aladdin, you didn't have these live-action actors doing animated features. You had people who were trained in doing voiceovers. Um, do these two come on board if it's not for Robin Williams three years prior doing Aladdin? I don't know to say for sure because I know that he was the big kicker. Mm-hmm. I know Robin Williams, you know, he's one of my favorite, probably the favorite actor of mine, but if it wasn't for him, this probably never would have, wouldn't have started as big anyway. Probably after he did it, they produced it in such a way where he didn't want publication for it, but they did it anyway. They made it about the voice actor that I feel like this was a thing for Pixar, not only using the amazing animation that was coming, but then they were also able to say, look at these stars we have tagged onto this. It is something good. But something for me that, that you know, as great actors as they are, watching it again this week, even as an adult, like, my mindset was not, oh, man, Tom Hanks. You know, oh, man, you know. 
Tim Allen. It was that's Woody and that's Buzz. Like I was fully drawn into it. Right. Um. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure at some point they would have stuck another voice actor in to do it. You know, or another celebrity at some point in some movie. But knowing that that was maybe what Aladdin was done in like '92, mm-hmm. like to know that that happened, you know, just a few years before. Because same thing with Lion King. They're like, okay, you know, popular actors work. JTT, put him in there. He's, Taylor Thomas. He's the as, biggest. as an adult, you've got uh, Matthew Broderick. Yep. Um, and then you have James Earl Jones as uh, Mufasa. For sure. Um, Jeremy Irons as Scar. I mean, which they're pretty, pretty big name actors at that point. That's just two years after Aladdin. I feel like Robin Williams definitely got the ball rolling on mm-hmm. that because nowadays when you have animated films, you don't blink an eye. You have, you know, whomever voicing, you know, it could be a really big star voicing, like Ryan Reynolds has voiced some animated uh, sure. characters. Will Ferrell has done it. Will Smith, um, you know, it's not that big a deal now. Back in early 90s, mid 90s, they used, you know, it was a big deal to have a big name actor that they kind sure. of centered their publicity on. Hey, look, we've got Tom Hanks and Tim Allen, mm-hmm. you know, from Home Improvement and from Forrest Gump. Yeah. Um, ten years prior to that, you would have had no idea who. No, was it wouldn't have been advertised as that. Um, you would have to look in the credits at the very end of the movie. They wouldn't advertise it on the box or anything. Mm-hmm. Rob Paulson's name wouldn't show up as in. Hey, here's this guy playing this. Even if it's Jim Varney that played yeah, Jim Slinky Varney Dunk. played Slinky. I mean, there's a lot of other famous people, and I'm probably sure not the same level that you would say is Tom Hanks or Tim Allen, but still. You know, that's a big thing. Well, and that's the that's the other thing I wrote down. The supporting cast, I feel like they nail it. Sure. Um, Don Rickles as Mr. Potato Head. Mm-hmm. I mean, just hilarious. Wallace Shawn, you know, I, I saw the name, um, and I went back and looked at some of his other. He played some um, some pretty um, like note one note characters in some of like comp, you know kid comedies mm-hmm. when we were growing up. Um, I can't remember the name of the movie, but it was a, there was these kids who locked their parents in the basement when they threatened to get a divorce. And Wallace Shawn was another parent of a child, and he was just hilarious in that. Um, Jim Varney, uh, we talked about a Slinky, um, and he ended up passing away he in, did. Ni- in 1999. Um, John Ratzenberger as Ham, the, mm-hmm. the piggy bank, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, Annie Potts, who was Bo Peep, I thought they nailed their roles, and th- they could have gotten you know Tom Hanks and Tim Allen, but I don't feel like this movie is complete. It's not no. without those supporting cast members. Well, the thing too, like watching this over this week, because as a kid, like you, you just take it in as a whole. You don't break things down as much or whatever. But watching it the other day and realizing how mature, like these toys are adults. Like sure, they're toys, but for the most part, like each character is an adult. Like you know, in the way that they act, in the way that they talk, you know, they're still of course toys. But maybe like the aliens are the most kiddish type toy out of everything but like mr potato head you know ham everybody else they're literally once they're done being played with automatically you know they're right into adults like okay where's my stuff hey what's happening blah blah blah. and there's some adult humor there in is there too i mean i remember the scene you know i, I didn't connect the dots when i was a child but um uh, when slinky's kind of standing up for woody like very early on in the movie potato head takes his lips off and puts it on the on his backside and it's like I didn't know that meant he was kissing his butt. I thought that and was And they just... overdid it in a way where they made sure you heard those sounds as it smacked his bottom. <laughs> so, like, I saw that and thought about the same thing the other day. So, um, th- that's the big thing that worked for me was the casting. Uh, what worked for you? Overall, like, the biggest thing for me is how good of a story this movie is. Now, I get it. At the time, it was important because of the animation. I know that was how it was kind of advertised. No movie before had ever been done this way. It was never fully animated like this. 
So that was a big push. But the biggest thing for me about this movie is no matter what, if it was live action or animation or, you know, cartoon drawing type animation, the story for this movie is amazing. It's a good story, regardless of what, you know, media it was done in. So I, th- I feel like for me walking away from it, especially, you know, now as a 32-year-old watching this again and seeing just how great of a story this is. There's so much heart and emotion throughout this entire movie. Um, and a lot of it is because of these actors and the way they're able to put that extra effort into it. But the fact of it's not just random little toys that are running around playing and just, you know, have a childlike, you know, mindset when they're not being played with instead, you know, knowing that they're living their own little lives in this room. Now they know that, you know, Andy is their master, that that's who they're there to be there for. And they're excited when he will play with them. But overall, like they're still living life. They're still doing their own thing. Like when he leaves the room, they just continue forward doing their own thing. Um, but just for overall, it was just a great story. And I feel like I never would have thought about that. If you would have just asked me like a week ago, I was like, yeah, it was amazing animation, blah, blah, blah. But you know, even as a kid, now I think back, like, it was cool looking, but I wasn't, I didn't love the movie because of how it was animated. I loved it just because I loved the characters, and I loved how good the movie was just overall. When you mentioned the emotion that the story kind of had, I feel like, I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead a little bit, mm-hmm. but the music for sure in this film, um, Randy Newman, he put together a really great score. Um, you know, we all know you have a friend in me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... You know, we can sing it right now. But um, we won't. We will not. But when I rewatched it, there's two other songs that kind of stuck out. And the one was uh, during the montage of Bud's, Buzz basically becoming the alpha toy at that mm-hmm. point. And Woody's slowly getting kind of moved to the side. Uh, you see a scene where uh, Woody is positioned as the villain and Buzz's laser kind of slaps him to the side. And mm-hmm. Woody ends up in the toy box at the end of it. There's a song called Strange Things mm-hmm. that, you know, is by Randy Newman. Um, just really kind of helped put that montage together. And then the last song that I that really stuck out to me was when Buzz saw the commercial. This is my favorite song, the and, entire movie. And it was like, it was kind of sad. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of builds up where Buzz sees the open window. Yes. And he's like, okay, I'm going to climb this mountain. Mm-hmm. And there's this big climax in the song mm-hmm. where Buzz is flying and then he's falling. Mm-hmm. and that scene does not work without that song. It doesn't. Um, I remember that standing out as soon as you had said something about how we'll probably do like something about the music. Like That song hit me. Like I'll even st- I, Before we do this, I listen to Disney music all the time. I listen to stuff like that all the time. But something that stood out to me about all of this is, as a kid, and even up until now where I've really been focused on it, I wasn't so much focused on what the words were saying. It was just, you know, you're used to in, in kids' movies having just some fun songs going on or whatever in the background and happening, but... To know that Randy Newman literally wrote these songs about it, because you're talking about strange things, you know, it says some jerk came down out out of a rocket or whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm paraphrasing. it's about the movie. <laughs> like it's literally transferring, like you said, you know, it's it's telling you what's happening as all this is just showing. It's just a montage. And I remember I've watched a lot of behind the scenes stuff, you know, leading up to this, and they were talking about how it, up until that point, most Disney movies were musicals, now, especially animated ones. They were always musicals. Uh, and they kind of came at them with this, with Pixar wanting this song, you know, Toy Story to be musical as well. And they said, no, there's no way that these toys are just going to bust out in the song all the time. And um, that's where Randy Newman came into play, and he he's perfect for it. Like you said, you know, I will go sailing no more. When that song plays, it hits the highs, it hits the lows, and it carries your emotion through that whole point. Um, I just love Randy Newman's voice, too. Like, his voice is different than your typical, you know, Elton John, Billy Joel, who's always been, 
you know, huge hits and all the other, you know, Disney stuff. But Randy Newman just carried this, I don't know, just his voice in general is just so much different. It's not like, I guess it's pretty, but it's not so much pretty. Like, it's just different. Um, sidebar, like crazy. You know, I remember being at a, um, it's a restaurant, you know, and they had a live guy playing piano there that night. And he was doing all these covers, but the guy literally sounded like Randy Newman. And so all I could think about was Randy Newman the entire time he's like singing, like all these, you know, covers of all this other stuff. And every time he would want requests, we would just, you know, shout out Toy Story. And then after about 30 minutes of shouting Toy Story, he figures out how to play You've Got a Friend in Me and plays it throughout the entire thing. Wow. And of course, sounding like Randy Newman, it just made it even better. Um, when, when I think of Randy Newman, I think of his portrayal in Family Guy in the mm-hmm. first or second season or whatever it was when they had the apocalypse. And it just kind of soured me on Randy Newman for a while, which, you know, as a you know, as a teenager, you know, who watched Family Guy the first time and you wanted to be edgy and cool and stuff. So it's like, yeah, Randy Newman, he's terrible. Um, going back and rewatching the film this week, I had a new appreciation for what Randy Newman brought to this film. Uh, you mentioned uh, prior, like Elton John, um, you know, doing stuff with The Lion King. Uh, Tim Rice mm-hmm. uh, was the guy who did some other stuff with The Lion King. I think he did some stuff for Aladdin, too, and mm-hmm. he was Disney's go-to guy. Um, but with Pixar, uh, they had Randy Newman for this for this movie, and it's a different movie without Randy Newman. It is. So props to you, Randy Newman, if you ever listen to this. Uh, we're big fans. For sure. 100% a big fan, of, especially with this. Now, I've pulled up Randy Newman a couple times just to see what he, his other songs, and they're pretty funny, too. Um, not all of them are funny, but some of them are. Um, yeah, I don't know. I had something else about Randy Newman, but it's it's gone. It's out of my head now. Well, let's move on. Uh, random facts and observations. Um, I actually, uh, I put, you know, clicked a little website here I found, which has some notes on there. But uh, as I was watching, I put other notes on there. I don't know what you have, um, but I'm just going to throw out a few ones. I actually did know this. Um, you know, Toy Story is a multi-million dollar brand at this point. And um, they, they put together television shows, TV shorts, uh, video games, toys, uh, stuff on your phone, apps and stuff. That's not always. Woody's not always voiced by Tom Hanks. He's not. He's voiced by his brother Jim Hanks, who sounds <laughs> just like him. He does, and he looks very similar to Tom Hanks as well. Um, there's, you know, it says here uh, during the 2011 interview on the Graham Norton show, uh, Tom Hanks was uh, asked about the Woody doll. If you pull the string, is that Tom Hanks' voice? He's no, that's my brother Jim. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you see like the the TV specials, the the. Christmas Halloween specials. Mm-hmm. That's Jim Hanks. That's not Tom Hanks. Now I wonder though, because they had the Buzz Lightyear. T- well, I guess Woody wasn't in that cartoon. I was gonna say like Buzz Lightyear had his own cartoon where he was a space ranger, but right. Woody wasn't in there, so I don't know which Hanks they wouldn't have been there. So um, I, I thought that was interesting. Pixar did not want to make a fairy tale. No, um, and that was your typical Disney trope at that point. Uh, they were kind of in the middle of a creative renaissance. They had uh, released The Little Mermaid. Beauty and the Beast, and then Aladdin, and they were about to release Pocahontas. Um, they've already done re-releases of Cinderella mm-hmm. uh, on VHS. That was just Disney's kind of go-to plot. You know, That's your thing. Here's a princess. Make sure they get saved by a prince or by you know some really cool guy. Pixar didn't want to do that. They wanted to kind of break the mold a little bit with their own kind of story. Um, Disney wanted more human characters, and I think this was interesting. They... They didn't really get the idea that um, the movie was about the toys. 
Um, something that goes along with that, Pixar had talked about back then with the animation, anytime they did something like that, it always came out and had like a shine to it. Yeah, they looked plastic. Yeah, so it worked that you were making a film about toys because that's what the animation looked like. And that was another reason they didn't do as much about um, humans or, you know, as many humans because the shine to them, you know, it would pull you out a little bit, I guess, if you got too focused. I will say after watching it again, the humans still look great. The toys look phenomenal. The only thing that really didn't stand up or hold up for me is Sid's dog. Yeah, the dog. He really, like, he's the one thing that's like, oh, you don't he, look he's real at all. a bunch of shapes put together. <laughs> Especially his eyes. Now, I mean, to, to go from Woody and, you know, his eyes looking so awesome and glassed over and everything else to the dog that just looks like, you know, paper and paint. But, you know, you let it slide because back in the day, you know, look at all the amazing things they did, you know, to even fact of have a dog that was animated that way. It's a huge step, but. That's definitely nothing to ruin the movie over. Here's something that I noticed a little bit, even as a child. In the original storyboards, Woody was cruel to the other toys. He basically he was. was a jerk. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you see some of that very early on when uh, Woody's making announcements. There was one scene where he's talking about finding a movie buddy. He's like, if you don't mm-hmm. got one, get one. And you mm-hmm. know, he just kind of had this like aggressiveness to his voice. You can even kind of see some of it in his story where... Um, his jealousy just kind of rings through a little bit, and that might be. Shades. I mean, that's that's a lot of the story. Yeah. Woody's jealous a lot of the yeah, movie. That's shades of maybe his earlier character mm-hmm. type, where they kind of soften up a little bit, but the sure. original character's still there. Um, well, I love that scene too because they had a staff meeting. Yeah, he said, "You know, staff meeting guys, and then smaller toys up front." <laughs> and in the previous, he's talked about you know how they had a, a battery or whatever safety meeting previously, and yeah. to know that like. These toys are not just here hanging out like the fact they're having staff meetings and they're having like, safety meetings. This is their meetings. job. <laughs> it's like you don't want to die from you know battery corrosion. Make sure you're doing this instead. You know, if you see something oozing out of your buddy's battery pack, check yeah. him out because he's trying to die, like or he yeah. is dying. Um, Buzz Lightyear, originally named Tempest. Mm-hmm. Terrible name. Horrible name. Terrible. He went through a bunch because it was uh, there was another one too. Morph mm-hmm. and actually Star Command was another name and they ended up using that for his like superiors mm-hmm. you come in star command um but buzz Lightyear is just iconic at this point it is um now his signature phrase and we'll get to this when we talk about best quotes to infinity and beyond that was a part of his character from the very beginning nice. like, that was going to be his catchphrase regardless of what he was named joss whedon who we know as someone who's worked on comic book movies mm-hmm. he had um he worked on buffy the vampire slayer uh, Dollhouse, uh, Firefly. Uh, he's just this, you know, great writer director um, that a lot of people who like like the sci-fi stuff know. He actually came in and rewrote parts of this movie. Uh, he wrote one of the most memorable lines from the film. Again, we'll talk about that at best quotes, but it says, "You are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity." Mm-hmm. Um, he also created Rex. Um, he created Rex, and I think Rex just he makes the movie. I mean, that much better. Uh, some other things I noted on here, and you feel free to jump in with some of your observations because I feel like I'm dominating this time. Uh, the binoculars. His mm-hmm. name's Lenny. Yeah, for lens. For lens. And it hit me yesterday when I watched the movie, you know, for the first time in 20 years. Um, he was named because of the word lens. Well, since we're going over facts, yes. I've got a surprise pop quiz for you. Oh, no. Now, you may know some of this because you've already answered at least one of them off of here. Okay. But I was watching random clips on YouTube today of random questions about you about uh, Toy Story. And so here we go. What was the name of Sid's dog? Spike. No, Scud. 
Scud? Scud is Sid's dog's name. Spike. Spike was the dinosaur from the Land Before Time. Yeah, Spike and he was. also was the dog from Rugrats. Okay. That, wow. Okay. Scud. Who names their dog Scud? Sid. I'm rethinking. It was Sid. So Rethinking one of my positions later on in this show. <laughs> All right. Where was Buzz Lightyear made? Um, Taiwan. Taiwan. That's yeah. great. Great job. And I remember that because they talked about, you know, where are you from? Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like, I'm from this sector. And uh, one of the characters was like, well, I'm from Mattel. Actually, I'm not from Mattel. Rex. I'm from a smaller company that was bought out in a leverage mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> purchase. And now this one's going to make you stretch a little. It's part of Toy Story One, but it stretches in Toy Story Two. What is Andy's dog's name? He receives the dog at Christmas at the end of the movie. I don't remember this. His name is Buster. I thought of Buster in my head. Well, you like, should have said it. I should have said it. Your head doesn't pick up on the microphone very well. Man. Uh, what did the toys use to try and rescue Buzz once he had fallen out the window? Uh, the the monkeys. The create, create, what are they? Uh, the barrel of monkeys. Barrel of monkeys. Barrel of monkeys, yes. All righty. Uh, what was Woody originally planned to be in the movie before he was changed to be a cowboy? A ventriloquist dummy. He was. See, I like this better. It's better than just listing. Yes. My next question was, you know, Tim Allen not being the first choice. Uh, we've already skipped over that. Uh, what was Buzz, Buzz Lightyear originally planned to be before he was a space ranger? That I don't know. What was it? He's going to be a tiny tin soldier. Really? Because they had actually already made a movie, yeah, or a short toy. clip, tin. Yeah. And so that's where he, he they were taking him into the movie, and then Woody was going to be the ventriloquist all. Um, what are two toy franchises that turned down having their toys appear in the movie? Okay, Barbie. Barbie's one. Okay, and I don't know the other. G.I. Joe. Because they didn't like the idea of Sid blowing up a G.I. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so you, you got the little toy soldier the bucket of soldiers mm-hmm. uh, to kind of stand in for that and uh, then you had I can't, combat carl combat carl was, was his name. <laughs> so yeah instead of gi joe's combat carl last question what was andy's last name that's an excellent question i don't know his last name is davis and this is found out because during the credits andy's mom is listed as mrs davis. Yeah, davis and so that's how you find out that andy's name is last name is davis cool did you catch the Indiana Jones reference? In the I movie? did. The cool thing about that, too, because you're talking about when the pins, the push pins came and were mm-hmm. landing all around him, yep, then the globe. globe. The cool thing about that, too, is they wanted it so much that they actually used the same sound effects from Indiana Jones in those movies. So whenever you're seeing the little pins fall down, they're using the spike noises that shot up out of the ground and everything else in Indiana Jones. Just to even add further to that, they use the actual sound effects for it. That's really cool. Um, two things you're going to see in a lot of Pixar movies. Uh, the letter number combination A113, mm-hmm. uh, that was found on the car's license plate. Uh, it refers to um, an Easter egg in media created by the alumni of the California Institute of the Arts, uh, which is the classroom used by the graphic design and character animation students, including the director of this film, John Lasseter. Multiple people from there yes. went to that. And like you say, you find that pop up in all sorts of the movies. Um, it also is in Disney World. Now, I haven't been since a bit Toy Story Land, but I've been seeing videos online where A113 pops up and it's hidden in all sorts of places throughout Disneyland or Disney World. And the other thing you'll see in a lot of Pixar movies or all the Pixar movies, I believe, is the Pizza Planet delivery truck. There's one other thing. There's the Pizza Planet mm-hmm. delivery truck, and then there's the little Pixar ball. Like, there's a, the ball with a star on it. Oh. It finds its way in every single Pixar movie. That I did not know. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, la- a couple other things I, I want to mention before we move on. There's some world building that you hear Al's Toy Barn mentioned mm-hmm. uh, when 
Buzz is noticing himself on TV. Alice Toyborn is featured prominently in Toy Story 2. Um, this is kind of a question, not, not really a fact. It is an observation. But uh, when Sid's sister, um, is it not Sally, um, I don't remember her name. I know her doll's name was Sally. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she found Buzz and with his broken arm, took, her, took him to go be a part of the tea party with mm-hmm. the headless dolls that she has that Sid tortured, apparently. Uh, when Woody comes in there, I didn't notice this as a child, but Buzz seems a little tipsy. He's drunk. drunk off the tea. I mean, um, I watched the behind the scenes on that, and Tim Allen said when he was trying to record that part that they came in and literally told him, "You're drunk." Voice it as you're drunk. Interesting. So that's exactly what it was whenever you found him that way. Speaking of Tim Allen, there's a little nod to his show Home Improvement. There is the Ben for Tools Toolbox. I totally um, didn't notice that ever until like this time whenever I was looking up stuff for this where it talked about that. Um, best scene. Right. I've got a few nominees here. Um, the birthday party scene I thought was fantastic. Great mm-hmm. way to open the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the see the toys in action where you, you send out the troops and they're kind of stationed in the plants and you had one who gets stepped on and they never leave a soldier behind. And I love that. And just really true to the characters. And you get the, all the toys kind of hovered around the baby monitor. I thought that was a really cool scene. Buzz's discovery of him being a toy. You know, huge. I thought that was a great scene, and then the final scene, the, the the truck chase scene, where they're escaping from Sid, and they are on, you know, they have a rocket and they're on RC and all this other stuff, and I thought uh, it was a great scene. One thing I loved about that scene too was it had been so easy because Woody had that match in his in his little holster, so whenever he goes to light the rocket with that, it had been so perfect and easy for that to work out. But it doesn't. And so all of a sudden, what seemed like the obvious answer is now hopeless. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden now, because of what Sid did to him, where he burned in that thing, whenever he was able to use Buzz's whooshy shield to light up the thing now, I thought that was great because it showed it so much more resourceful. It wasn't as obvious. All of a sudden, it, it cuts that hope out from underneath you again. Where all of a sudden, oh, this is what they're going to do with this movie. This is how this is going to work. And then it doesn't. Um, I think that was a big thing. The, the best scene to me, is not one that you mentioned. By all means, they are all amazing, great scenes. I liked all of them. Okay. Mine is when they're in Sid's room, Buzz is strapped to a rocket, and Andy is stuck. Not Andy. Woody is stuck in the crate underneath for the next day. Um, it's the scene where Woody goes out of his way and starts talking Buzz up, and he tells him that being a toy is way better than being a space ranger. Talking about how you know he was for somebody that loved him. He filled a role that Woody couldn't fill because he has all these cool options. He's so much different. How any toy would, you know, kill to be that toy. He's the best toy ever made type deal. And even to the point where Woody starts getting emotional about, you know, know, maybe you're even a little bit too cool because there's no way I could ever stand up to that. You know, there's no way ever I could be a Buzz Lightyear. You know, I've just got this silly, you know, pull string. But then in the midst of that, just – the acting between the voice actors with the animation, even Tim Allen has gone on record and saying like he was watching it and being like, man, that was great acting. When all of a sudden you're just looking at Buzz whose eyes are just feeling so like despair of realizing I'm a toy. Everything I've ever known is not true. Mm-hmm. I might as well get blown up because life isn't worth living. I, I'm not anything, you know, who cares to be a toy. And Tim Allen talked about how great of a scene that was and how great acting was. And he's like, and then I realized I didn't say a word in that. I didn't have anything to do with that. It was all the animation and the animators who put so much power 
just in Buzz's eyes of just how hopeless he felt at that moment. Um, just for me, because in the end, he turns around, of course, he snaps out of it. Um, they escape, everything works out. But just for me, that's a big turning point in the movie where all of a sudden, Woody's finally honest with Buzz. Instead of just hating him for being taking his place or whatever and for not realizing that he's a toy, Woody's finally just honest that I love Andy, but to the point that I can no longer fulfill this. I can't be what you are. I don't have wings. I don't have karate chop action. But, you know, for him to be honest for once in this movie with Buzz and then for Buzz to kind of wake up out of it too and says, come on, cowboy, we're getting out of here. You know, they finally have that scene where they're working together now. It's no longer one against the other, one hating the other, and one just being oblivious to the world of it. Um, for me, that's my favorite scene out of the movie. Uh, for a favorite scene, I think it's my mine's the birthday party mm-hmm. at the very beginning. But I think for the best scene, it's probably, you know, that whole third act mm-hmm. when Buzz is discovering he, you know, he is a toy, he's not a space ranger, um, him snapping out of it, and then that plan coming together to kind of scare Sid For sure. and then get back to Andy. Um, culminating in the the rocket exploding and them falling in the car, um, falling with style. Falling with style, exactly. I know that's several scenes. Um, so if I had to pick one, it's probably that climatic climatic scene when they're on um, RC mm-hmm. uh, trying to get back, um, avoiding the dog's scud. Yeah, scud, um, scud, not ter- spike. Terrible name. Um, I think that's the best scene, but my favorite is the the opening scene. Um, I got some nominees for best quotes, and I, I got quite a few here, and. Like I said, uh, you add in any that I've I've got three, but I don't think they're any of the ones you had. Oh, wow. So, um, best quote, uh, to me, I think this is probably going to end up winning, is uh, Buzz Lightyear's To Infinity and Beyond. Just kind of iconic. Tom Hanks himself said that that's a line that should go down as one of the greatest lines in cinematic history. Because it's just iconic. You know, no matter if you've seen it or not, you automatically know what that's talking about or what that's from. The Woody pull string lines, you know, I really enjoy those. uh, Two favorite. There's a snake in my boots, mm-hmm. and somebody's poisoned the water hole. I remember being a kid just going around and saying those all the time. Nobody, like, even if you saw the movie, you're like, what is this kid talking about? But iconic lines nonetheless that really didn't have a big point in the movie, but great line. Um, this is more of a dialogue than a really a quote where uh, Buzz um, ends up in the car with Woody when they're on the way to uh, Pizza Planet. Mm-hmm. And Buzz tells Woody, I just want you to know that even though you tried to terminate me, revenge is not an idea we promote on my planet. And Woody's like, oh, well, that's good. Great. <laughs> and Buzz says, but we're not on my planet, are we? And, <laughs> and then he tackles him. He ends up tacking him out of the car, and that's how they get left behind at the gas station. Um, I, you know, that was something they played in the trailers, and I thought mm-hmm. it was just hilarious. Uh, and then the last two I have, that's not flying, that's just falling with style. Mm-hmm. And wait a minute, I just let a rocket. <laughs> Rockets explode. <laughs> <laughs> Now, my three, you've already brought up one of them. Um, Two of these are lines that I I still say at least probably once a week in my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, First one, talking about the moving buddies, says, if you don't have one, get one. There's been multiple times where people have talking about needing something or getting something, and I would say, if you don't have one, get one. So you're channeling your inner Woody as a jerk face. But I don't even see it as a jerk. (laughs) I always kind of laugh, and I look, and they realize they have no clue what I'm talking about. They don't get you know, that I'm talking about Woody from Toy Story. So there's that line. Uh, the next one, it's where they have lit the rocket. And he said, this is the part where we blow up. And he says, not, not today. today. <laughs> I say that all the time. If something's happening, it's just not today. Like, things like that. The line that hit me probably the hardest out of the entire movie is when uh, Woody thinks he's about to die. And he says, take care of Andy for me. 
it hit me so hard this week watching that where he stretched out and to know like because at that point for them you know sure andy's like their master but at the same time like they live just to take care of him and make sure he's happy that's their part to bring joy into his life by being his toys and for him willing to give up his life and say take care of andy for me you know it hit me so hard now of course buzz is like no and like you know, saves the day or whatever. I think he jumps on Scud and, like, moves he, his eyelids yeah, or whatever. Yeah, pulls his eyelids. And yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't stay that way long, but just for that few moments that, you know, Woody's going to let go so Buzz can get away. And but he tells him, you know, take care of Andy for me. You know, regardless of what happens to me, I'm about to die. I'm about to get chewed up by Scud. You go on and you take care of Andy for me. Like, it hit me so hard. Like, a kid's movie, sure, but got me right in the heart. So, uh, what do we think this quote is? To infinity and beyond. I mean, it's the most iconic quote, sure. Like, I can't argue with that. Unanswered questions. And this is something you wanted to add. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, you watch the movie and you, there was questions you didn't answer either in this movie or in any of the movies in the series. Um, and I thought of a few. I even thought of one as we were recording mm-hmm. this. So I ended up going through and typing in at the very bottom. Um, what are some unanswered questions you have? My first one, that even as a kid it made me think about, but it didn't ruin the movie for me. But if Buzz doesn't think he's a toy... Then why, when Andy's playing with him, does he just freeze and let him play with him? Because we see later that Woody can come alive in Sid's hands, so it's obviously not when a human touches him they just turn into a, a solid toy or whatever. But if he believes with all his might he's really a space ranger, then why does he let Andy just play with him as a toy? And it's not even you know you see him playing in all sorts of scenes as a toy. It's not just him being a space ranger doing whatever. So that didn't make sense to me. That's a fantastic question too, and you know the only way I can think of maybe answering that is like it's just. Like instinct, like even though he know he doesn't know he's a toy, that instinct of him being a toy kind of kicks in, mm-hmm. and he doesn't realize what he's doing. Um, is that's the only way I can justify it? But that's an excellent question. Um, I've got one for you. Okay. Do all toys go through, like, an identity crisis the way Buzz did? Like, do they all think they are what they are? Like, what whatever kind of toy they are, the mm-hmm. way Buzz was a space ranger, does Rex think he's really a dinosaur? That, you know. I would think so because, and I say that too, because the aliens fully believe they're aliens and the claw is their master picking them. They don't think they're toys or whatever. They think they're being chosen to go on to do whatever the claw, you know, to a better life now. It's just kind of depressing to me to think all the, you know, there's so many toys around the world in this universe and they all have to go through like this identity crisis at sure. some point when they realize, wait a minute, I'm not an alien. Wait a minute. I'm not a cowboy. Well, I guess it goes to say, too, or like the toy is infinite. Can they die or can they not die? Because, you know, of course, if you're chewed up or exploded or whatever, but like beyond that, you don't have to eat as a toy. You don't have to drink water or do anything else. So you just live. So, like, at any point, you know, do you stay like the same age? Do you get old and grumpy? Like, how does that work? That's a fantastic question. And um, we've seen, like, throughout the series mm-hmm. where they still kind of retain all their memories of Andy mm-hmm. as a child. And, uh, Jessie, who you know appears in Toy Story too, she still has memories of her old owner, and there's mm-hmm. no telling how long she's been, um, you know, without an owner um, prior to being picked up by Alice Toyborn. Sure. Um, so that's an interesting question. I mean, uh, do they stay the same age? Do they? I mean, in terms of their, I mean, to w- what I kind of think of, you know, and this is kind of jumping into Toy Story too, but you have the uh, the prospector. Mm-hmm. He's an old man. Sure. So he was always programmed to be an old man. That's true. You know, whereas like in Sid's room, you have the, the baby, you know, or the baby head. Um, you hear it say, mama, mama. Mm-hmm. It was a baby. So it's always going to be a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where I lay on 
that that makes sense. Question. You mentioned the prospector, which brings me to another question. We I noticed this time I've I've known forever, but I've noticed specifically Woody has a holster, but he doesn't have a gun. At any point, did Woody have a gun? Did he come with one? Because especially you gotta imagine Woody was. They said he was an old family toy, so Woody was you know he was old. He's an older toy, so of course guns weren't like as big of a thing back then. They could have put it in there. And then I was like, well, they gave him a hat, you know, so he did have an accessory. But then I thought about, too, with the prospector, you had him, he had a pickaxe. Right. So it's like, is that so necessarily, un, you know, did the gun get lost along the way, or was he never given one? I feel like he was never given one. Mm-hmm. And, again, we're jumping into Toy Story 2 territory here, but whenever he gets picked up by Al, mm-hmm. who wants to sell them as a um, mint condition collection mm-hmm. um, or close to mint condition, he didn't freak out over the fact that Woody didn't have a gun. That's true. You know, he did freak out over his arm, you know, but he and he didn't have his hat, and then he found the hat, and he kind of, um, you know, made sure that he polished that up. But he didn't freak over, freak out over there not being a gun an accessory, or he didn't have the accessory to put with it, or whatever. That's true. Um, so I feel like he never really had a gun. Um, may, maybe he did in the old uh, Woody's Roundup mm-hmm. show um, that was presented by a serial company. Yes. Was Sid a villain? And this is something we kind I kind of mentioned to you mm-hmm. last week when we were going through a trial run and I'm a little torn on this because you know you see Sid makes a cameo appearance in Toy Story 3 mm-hmm. and you know he's the uh, garbage collector tra- you know trash boy and he's just jamming out to his music and it made me think was he really a villain or was he just like a really creative child who didn't know how to channel his creativity or wasn't taught how to properly uh, take care of things well I feel like there's two sides of it because it was brought to my attention by listening to something else today. Sid didn't know toys were alive. So he wasn't willingly killing things. Right. He was just blowing things up because he liked explosives. He liked, you know, tearing things apart and making new things or whatever. So in the mindset that he doesn't know they're real, sure, he's not necessarily being a horrible person. But in the other mindset, though, you're blowing up G.I. Joe's. Like, and I was. this comes from me being a kid that, I took care of my toys. Most of the toys I had as a kid, I still have. They still have their arms attached. You know, may have some scratches, but like, for the most part, I've kept pretty good care of mine. But to also know, like, you know, his sister had a doll, and he goes and just rips the head off the thing. Like, it was never, you know, he was just a jerk. It wasn't sure he was creative. And don't get me wrong, too, because they even made a note of this. I remember back in the day, Wizard, uh, there was Wizard Magazine. Um, it talked about all things comics and random things like that. I would. I didn't get it all the time. I would find it randomly at certain stores. I remember buying it, and there were sections where people would create action figures, um, and I didn't realize they took figures, other figures, took them apart and built their own things and created their own action figures. It was. It'd be action figures of people that you never saw, like major companies didn't make. Like I remember, you know, like some of the Simpsons had characters. This is before they started making actual action figures for the Simpsons and things like that. So in the mindset of that, Sid was being creative. He was being super creative. Um, but there's also the side of it where it's, I don't know. Because I, like, I follow a ton of people on Instagram now that literally make custom toys like where they'll take other toys apart and make it. And I don't think they're crazy or jerks for tearing other toys apart to make something else. So that is tougher. But just in his mind, he's using explosives. His parents, is his, or his mom buying the explosives for him? That's one of my questions. Like, um, how's that working? Like, yeah, how's he able to afford all these things? His parents buying them? I think he probably swiped the credit card. I'd ha- you'd have to. And, you know, that, going back to the to the villain question about that, you know, if he's swiping the parents' credit card, he's obviously not, like, a great kid. But, like, I never swiped my parents' credit card. We mm-hmm. didn't have one. But I, I remember, you know, a couple times when we were, like, at Walmart, I would put a toy in the 
mm-hmm. in the um, in the cart. And when we get to the register, like it was there, and they're like, "Well, I was hoping they would say, well, it's here now. We might as well buy it.'" Sure. Um, you know, how often does that work out for you? Uh, it actually worked out for me once, and I, once. I was made to feel so badly about it. I never wanted to play with the toy. <laughs> so, like, I got my way, and I felt terrible about it. Um, so, I don't know if he's just being a kid who needs, you know, maybe he, he probably would have been diagnosed with ADHD nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned, you know, how he was kind of a jerk to his sister, but who wasn't, like, That's a, true. a jerk to their sibling? I um, just never tore up my sister's toys. Like, I just couldn't have done that. And see, like with my brother, I don't know if I tore up his toys, but there was a lot of things of his. Like, you know, like oh, I've got it now. Like, I would steal them or sure. I would hide them or something. And so I don't know. I I I fall on the the side where I don't feel like he's necessarily a villain. You know, looking at it from a human perspective, he's just probably a misunderstood boy who's really creative. We probably but like he I'm, definitely is a villain to the toys. Sure, and so, I'm led to believe he doesn't have like the best home life because yeah. if this young kid is outside blowing things up. You know, it shakes the whole house. It shakes the neighbor's house. There's no way the mom doesn't know that he's blowing things up in the backyard. She doesn't really question it. They probably doesn't don't have, do like, a uh, neighborhood watch or a homeowner's association there. Because no. they would have already been served the notice at that point. And not to say that, because That might be why Andy and his mom are moving. They sure. Try, trying to get away from the from the neighbors. It's like my house is falling apart because this kid keeps blowing things up in the next yard. Um, here's a question. Okay. And this is just a silly one. Mm-hmm. When Buzz, you know, they fly up with the rocket, mm-hmm. and, you know, not today, and he hits his button, and the mm-hmm. wings pop out. He's busting through duct tape. To be fair, I had a Buzz Lightyear, and his wings definitely would not have busted through duct tape. So I'm just, he must have really, like, they must have really put some extra enforcing material Now, in the mine wing. probably came from Walmart or Toys R Us instead of Al's Toy Barn. Now, it's probably still knows? made in Taiwan, though. <laughs> That's true. Um, I have uh, another question, and this one... I'd never noticed until I watched it yesterday. Mm-hmm. So in the scene, Woody's rallying all of Sid's toys prior to them going outside and ha- watching Buzz get blown up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Woody mentions that we'd have to break a few rules. What are these rules? And I'm assuming one of them would be to not reveal that they're alive to the humans. Um, that's broken by all the toys. But what are these rules and who instituted these rules? I don't know, but something great about that is there's random toys that have been buried in the sandbox for years now mm-hmm. that all of a sudden like, oh, wait, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're, and they start down. coming alive. <laughs> like, okay, I've been waiting for this. You know, Combat Carl was my homie, man. I'm coming out of here. Like, that was the best thing. Now, I don't know. I've thought about the same thing. Like, who sets these rules? You know, how do they not know when all of a sudden Andy's playing with them that they're just like, hey, let's play back. Like, how do they know that? Um, I don't know. I guess somebody in Taiwan instills that inside their you know, rubber soles. You know, I don't know if I'd want to watch a whole movie about discovering like where that came from, like mm-hmm. who instituted these rules. But maybe a thirty-minute like YouTube short or something. Sure, I'm sure there is one. Um, last question I have, and I don't know if you have any more unanswered questions, but this is the one I came up with while we were talking. Where's Andy's dad? Now, see, this is my uh, this is my last question. Now, I don't know if you've heard there was a, a video post supposedly explaining it. Now, there has been person to come back and say it was not true. Have you heard this? Mm-mm, okay. Not. So you're in for a treat, which hits you in the heart and the soul. Now I'm going to paraphrase, so I still suggest going and watching the actual video. I believe Mike Mozart, he was a toy consultant for the movie. He's been toy consultant for a lot of things. Used to be the guy on like, you know, I don't know, QVC, but like networks on TV. You're going to sell toys. You bring him in. He talks about them, blah, blah, blah. He was a toy consultant for the movie, and he had spoken with John Rath, who was one of the head writers for... Toy Story. He's passed on since then. 
But he does a video online talking about how one day him and John were out to lunch, and he asked him, like, what was the deal with Andy's dad? Now, before I get into all this, Andrew Stanton, which was another writer in the movie, has come out and did a tweet about saying it's fake news. Go back, you know, to your houses. You know, get back to your normal lives. I was there. That's not true type deal. But even if it's not true, this hits you in the heart. So evidently, as Andy's dad, his name was Andy as well. So Andy Sr. Andy had polio as a child. Andy Sr. Because there's a lot of people that are bringing up the point in Andy's house where he's living, there's no pictures of his dad, there's none of that. But if you look at the pictures that are on the wall going down the stairs, you assume they're pictures of Andy. But you notice that there's what looks similar to Andy, but there's a kid wearing glasses. Andy does not wear glasses. There's another one who's different way. Like, all these pictures, they don't add up. It's not Andy. It's some other person. Um, so, rewind a little bit. Polio as a child. At this point, his parents take all of his belongings outside to burn them because he had polio. They were trying to get rid of everything. Supposedly, he climbed out on his hands, dragging himself out because his legs didn't work anymore because of polio. Saved three of his favorite toys. He saved Woody, Slinky Dog, and Mr. Potato Head. Drags them back in, and he keeps them and tells them to leave them alone or whatever. Evidently, at some point in his life, he gets better. doesn't have polio anymore. Um, gets married. Has Andy. Gets, you know, his wife, you know, at some point, you know, he gets older, locks his toys away. He puts them in the attic or whatever. Um, he starts to have, he gets married, has Andy. The sister's on the way. And then he comes back with post-polio syndrome, which is evidently a big ordeal. I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about it, but it's, it comeback strikes him um, to the point that they had to move back into his old family home. So this is why there's Andy Sr. kid pictures on the walls. This was actually Andy's grand, young Andy's grandparents' house. So that's where they're living now. That's why in this movie, the dad's gone and everything else. They're selling that house to move back up to Seattle because that's supposedly where they're from. Right. Um, but on his deathbed, young Andy comes in and he give, old Andy gives him a key says go into the attic there's a box up there bring it down and open it up there's somebody special in there waiting for you he goes to get the box comes back down in the midst of doing that his dad passes away wow he gets down days later after the funeral everything else he opens up this box in it is woody slinky dog mr potato head at this point the last time they saw andy senior he was a young boy they look so much alike they think this is the same Andy as Andy Sr. Wow. That's why there's never a disconnect of Woody not knowing whoever he belonged to before. Because even in whenever he's getting sold at a yard sale, Andy's mom said, no, he's not for sale. He's an old family toy or whatever. Right. So obviously it came before Andy. So all of a sudden here you have um, you have Woody, Slinky Head, or Slinky Dog, and Mr. Potato Head. They were Andy Sr.'s toys. And the name Andy written on the bottom of Woody's foot is actually Andy Senior's signature and not young Andy's signature. So it hits you a little bit. A little bit. Now, yeah. now a little bit beyond that, too, is where Woody came from, which goes into the story, which may, it's the same way, probably not true. It's not canon because it can't be proven or whatever, but still hits you. Evidently, when he was a young boy with polio, now we know that Woody's Roundup was presented by the cereal company. I can't remember what it was. I've had it on my tongue. But they were doing a giveaway where all the characters and the cast of the things you had to save in box top, send it in, and you would get the toy. Well, as things happened like they did back in the day, 
sometimes they would make a prototype, just advertise it and everything else. But then the you know company would go out of business before the contest ever ends. So Andy, being a, from a poor family, was not able to save up all the box tops, but he sent him what he had and said, would you please just consider sending me the toy, explain the situation. Well, turns out the company goes under. There's only one Woody made. And then the lady, the receptionist, feels so bad for this little boy with polio she packs up the Woody prototype and sends it to him, which explains why he doesn't have a gun yet because he was a prototype. Okay. So he didn't have one. He gets him, and that also explains why the guy, the collector that's collecting, you know, Jesse and the other ones in the second movie made such a big ordeal about Woody because there's only been one ever in existence and for him to find him at the yard sale. Now, all of that, like I said, has been Andrew Stanton has said, no, that's not true, blah, blah, blah. But dang if it don't, like, get on your heart. So definitely uh, adds a lot of, you know, really awesome backstory mm-hmm. and just kind of makes everything a little more emotional, mm-hmm. uh, knowing the whole story up until where we haven't even seen four yet, but knowing what they went through in two and three, um, definitely adds a lot of sure. uh, emotion to it. Um, do you have any more unanswered questions? That was it. I'm cleaned up on Toy Story. Yeah. Well, final thoughts on this movie um, for me. It's just one of the most memorable films from my childhood. Um, animated, not animated. I mean, we're going to be talking about a few other films over the summer. Um, but this one just kind of perfectly encapsulates. I don't even know if that's a word. Encapsulates. It works for me. I believe <laughs> um, you. But it, it, it brings it all together, and it kind of shows what my childhood was like. For sure. Where I had all these toys that had nothing to do with each other, and... I played with them and came up with stories, and um, Andy was me. I fully agree. That opening scene in the movie is a huge thing to me where you're playing with homes that are made out of cardboard boxes, which I often did because we didn't afford big play sets or whatever all the time. But um, it was me. It hit me in the heart. Like, there was no cell phones. There's no tablets. Like, Toy Story. With Toy Story 4 coming out, it really makes me wonder, like, how is that going to be done? Or are there going to be kids? Is it going to show that side of the world today where – Kids are constantly on entertainment, you know, and iPads or video games or whatever. Um, what's going to happen there? I'm excited for Toy Story 4. This movie is definitely one of my all-time favorites. You know, I'm also just a big kid at art, so for sure this just stands out to me. But, yeah, I put myself right in Andy's shoes and I'm right there with you. So that was Toy Story. Tease us up for our next podcast. Well, there's this world. And there's this world that exists, and it needs to meet people. And then this boy comes along, and he meets this world. Hashtag Boy Meets World. Nice. So uh, we'll be talking about Boy Meets World on our next podcast. Um, We'd love for you to recommend this to friends and family. Share this on Twitter. Uh, If we put together an Instagram or a Facebook page, uh, share that with friends. Uh, We'd like people to listen to us, and we'd like feedback. And what would you like to hear us talk, talk about? Um, you know, we talked about Toy Story this week, Boy Meets World next week. Uh, we'll be talking about video games in week three and, you know, wrestling moments in week four. But uh, we're open to a lot of suggestions going forward. Um, we want to hear what you want to hear and give us some feedback and let us know what we can improve on. Um, but find us on Twitter there. Um, I'm sure once we get this uh, put out, you can find us on Apple Podcast and or anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. And uh, we appreciate you listening to us. So. Uh, Kyle, you got any last words? 
is a rough first one, I'm sure. So thanks for sticking with us through this long. Eric and I tend to talk a lot. We'll try to go back and edit some of it so you won't even know that you're missing things. But uh, stick with us as this continues to grow. It's going to continue to be fun, awesome, filled things ahead. Uh, hopefully it'll hit your heart and just kind of you know, make you remember awesome things from your childhood as well and just give you that nostalgic, awesome feeling on the inside. Yep. So we, we appreciate you tuning in to What the What? What the What? <laughs>